everybody and welcome back to the local honey podcast (laughs) today is a little bit different because first of all we are recording ourselves visually which is a new thing that we're trying out and secondly i've got my mum sitting beside me hi you lovelies out there thank you for following sources local honey (laughs) so um that's my mum and basically what we're doing is it's a bit of role reversal I suppose mm-hmm. where usually I am the interviewer but today my mum is going to interview me. Okay hi everybody I'm Sorsha's mummy my name's Aideen and um, Sorsha's just been such a wonderful daughter and such a calm relaxed chill spirit and she really lives through that but yeah other than that i think we're gonna get started with the, some questions the, the scripted questions please okay sorsha please can you tell everybody a bit about yourself including where you're from some background on your experiences growing up including your interests, hobbies, and education? So this question is one that I ask everybody coming onto the podcast, um, basically to just get a good grounding of who they are. And I feel like your younger years or your most formative years and really shape the person that you have become later in life. So um, it's just nice to get a bit of context, I guess. I haven't done a bad job then. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly not. Um, So I grew up in Anaskillen with my Mm -hmm. mum. My parents divorced whenever I was very young. For as young as as I can remember, it was just me and mummy. And um, my dad lives in Dublin with his wife, Olivia, and my two brothers and lovely sister. So I grew up essentially, um, although I have two brothers and a sister in Dublin, my base was Enniskillen, so my every day to day I was brought up as an only child in Enniskillen. Um, And this meant, I guess, that from the get-go I had to be quite a creative individual in terms of entertaining myself because I didn't have other siblings um, running around to play with. So from what I remember, I just loved like being outside in nature and um, drawing and art was always a really big part of my life. And... For me, it was like a form of escapism. You know, you get into that flow and it's like a form of meditation almost. Um, And it almost became a friend for me. So I feel like, you know, throughout school, I people would say, oh, you're quite good at art. But like, to be honest, it's just because I was always doing it at home and in school and it was like a friend. Um, So I practiced it a lot and some kind of therapy yeah no definitely and that I remember whenever I was maybe like 13 or something in secondary school and our art teacher and 
had given us some homework to do it, a tonal study of a leaf. And I went home anyway. And a couple of days before it was due, I sat down at like 6 p.m. and I was still working on it at 9 p.m. So it had been like over three hours on this one small tonal study of a leaf. And the next day or whatever, I went into school and it was 10 minutes before class. And there were so many of my classmates just starting their leaf then. Like they just didn't have the same interest in um, practicing like drawing as I did and um, yeah I guess I mean in class then the art teacher noticed um, my leaf and was like oh that's really cool and really encouraged me to take art a bit more seriously then but and people I remember at the time were saying to me oh you're so good at it but like really it's because I spent like four hours on it the night before not just 10 minutes like other people but that's because I actually really enjoyed the process of just drawing. And can I um, allude there that yeah. Sorsha is very, very methodical when she is given an artistic project because my mummy's when she was doing her GCSE and her A-level art, the house was just taken over by project work and everything had its place. And I, not being an artist, could tell that Sorsha took her time and whatever way she expressed her art, I think she had to really kind of maybe take a lot of thought and reflection into putting into her end creative product. And that story, as you said, Sorsha, which I didn't really know that uh, with your leaf, but uh, I can definitely agree with that, that you do take a lot of time and effort into a task or project that you're given with your art. Yeah, and I think that's um, kind of refers back to I just almost find myself in that what they call the flow state so um it's where nothing else you're completely engrossed in that one thing that you're doing and like we were saying it is like a form of therapy and meditation so mm. i become totally almost um absorbed by this situation that i'm doing and won't really um, I'll spend a lot of time on it and won't stop until And the house can fall down round her <laughs> and she will not notice. She no. will be so absorbed in her project. Yeah, and I think it was from like this moment in um, school, I guess, whenever I really began to embrace being creative and I kind of then decided that I wanted to go to art college, like normal university just was never on my radar um, because you know people had told me that I was quite talented at art but the truth of it was was that I just really enjoyed it so um, and I was always very much so encouraged to do what I enjoy um, further after school so it was a no-brainer to me that I would follow through with going to art college. So the cello lessons, the orchestra, the piano lessons, the singing lessons, <laughs> I think art kind of picked the post for all of those. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally. Um, and so I guess then I went to art college in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that was a really amazing experience for me, I guess. I mean, I, I guess I should add that whenever you're spending a lot of time doing art, you're also spending a lot of time with yourself. So I was always quite a self-aware person and 
knew myself quite well, but I'd say there were like a diff, a, there was a difficult period maybe in my late teens, but I guess that's kind of, I hope that that resonates with everybody because I feel like that's just part and parcel of growing up whenever you're kind of trying to fit in, you feel like you're meant to look a certain way, act a certain way whenever. And I kind of really struggled with that because I didn't really want to, um, I just felt that I was interested in different things and a lot of people were. Can I just interrupt there? Sorsha, I remember you in about primary five. (laughs) And Sorsha, obviously, she had her school uniform and um, I remember picking you up um, from school a few times this particular year anyway. And there Sorsha was in her school uniform and she had kind of like a school anorak over her school uniform. But she either had her hair back in a hair band but it wasn't just any ordinary hair band it was a real colour funky hair band don't know where you got it out of or else there was another time when I picked you up and the school uniform was it was uh, gosh yellow and navy and grey standard school uniform so uh, Sorsha had this pink peaked cap and you wore it in P5 and not every kid in P5 wears a pig tat and and you were really you know I thought oh my god you know that's the time it struck me because um, there you were with your cello which was kind of nearly the length of your height and you were in a very ordinary school uniform and yet you were wearing this really it was quite a funky it was something you'd wear now like a pink peaked cap and bright pink and it was like that sort of struck me and I thought this girl is going to be an artist of some sort I didn't know whether it was going to be into music or art as an art of some form but I knew that you were going to be expressive and that is and that's from you kind of putting on your clothes in the morning and been very aware of that image that you were quite comfortable with in P5 what age 9 or 10 yeah so I think the um, practice of art and practice of music are really interesting because you spend a lot of time with yourself so you do kind of get to know yourself and I guess Mm. maybe that evokes a kind of a confidence Mm. um, like a silent confidence Um, so I was I mean I was never really the kind of kid who cared what other people I was very comfortable in my own skin I would say but I would definitely say that whenever I was like 16 to 18 there was a weird moment where I wasn't as confident and I think that's just from outside pressures Mm -hmm. and also social media really began to erupt whenever I think I was 16 so it's worth also saying that whenever I was growing up there was no social media there was no internet there weren't any phones there weren't iPads what age would you have been at when social media came on board 16 I remember was whenever I downloaded Instagram for the first time and I never really used it to be honest until um the last until since I left college I haven't really used Instagram that much but I'm a big scroller now but um there was Bebo. Oh, yes, um, right. I do remember Bebo. Yeah. And that came in, I would say, whenever we were like 13 and MSN. Um, but at that point, I mean, this is back in like before 2010. So 
that was whenever you had to hook up through the phone line to get yeah, on any internet. There yeah. wasn't Wi-Fi or anything, so it was a bit of a massive task. And even at that, the internet was so slow. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't just, just there. there. No, definitely not. Um, so yeah, then I went to art college, and that was like really amazing. Um, I didn't get into the art college in London, which I would later find out whenever I moved to London was the best blessing in disguise because I definitely wasn't ready for that. But um, Dublin always felt like a second home to me. I have family there and it's also a really creative and multi multicultural city. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, yeah I just- were never really into Northern Ireland. In fact, can I say, do you remember? For uh, and I was, I, I I was obviously wanting all opportunities open, and for Belfast Art College, York Street, you didn't even bring up your portfolio. I brought it up because you're just kind of like you weren't interested in staying local. No, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know why that was. I guess I'm just not as into maybe the culture that I experienced in Enniskillen, which I felt was very much so in Belfast. Like kind of, it, like, you know. There's absolutely <laughs> nothing wrong with it, but it just, it really wasn't my cup of tea. And I'm actually um, reading a book by Fern Cotton right now called Speak Your Truth. And she talks about boundaries and things. And I think that, you know, everyone's boundaries are valid. And that was one of mine that I just needed to um, go and experience something else. Um, but I loved going to Belfast. I went and visited friends and Belfast is a great city. Mm -hmm. um, I just really wanted to branch away from um, that for a while. But those art as well, you know, you have to. Yeah, NCID was really great. And I met some incredible people there. Um, in first year, you go in and you experience everything that the college has to offer. So you study fine art and design and your whole year group is essentially on one floor, which is just cordoned off by little partitions. Um, so you have, you get to interact with everybody from your year and it's a very, um, they really encourage collaboration between students and um, departments and NCID. So it was just, it really blew my mind. I mean, the first couple of weeks were difficult because you know you're just getting to meet friends I also found, found art college a little bit overwhelming at first because mm. it's very arty um, well I think any move from home at that age is a big move but I suppose art college would be because I mean obviously because of the characters um, that's a study art yeah, it was almost like um, a culture shock. Culture shock, culture yeah. shock, yeah. And that culture that we were yeah. talking about that's in kind of Enniskillen, yeah. I guess, mm. was just not what I experienced at NCAD. Um, yeah, so I actually graduated. I went on to specialise in fashion design and graduated um, with a degree in fashion design, which was great. I did not go into NCAD knowing that I would select fashion design. Um, because I was, I loved creating and making growing up. And I, at this point, didn't realize that the reason that I loved doing it was because um, it was time with myself. I got to know myself, as I was saying, it was almost like a form of therapy. That's why I enjoyed it truly, but I didn't realize that at the time. 
So my one of one of the really amazing um, tutors at NCID, Kathy Mooney, talked to me one day and she was like, so Sorsha, what are you going to pick? It was like the end of the year and you had to pick what you wanted to specialise in. And I said, Kathy, I really don't know. I'm quite drawn to fashion, but I realise that everyone around me that wants to study fashion is really into it because their projects are very much so directed um, towards fashion, whereas mine wasn't really. Um, so there was that. And also fashion in the design faculty in NCAD is known to be one of the harder courses to get into. So I also didn't really have the confidence that I would get in if I tried to. Mm. And Kathy was lovely and she basically encouraged me to go for it and really helped my self-confidence and said that I could do it. And um, I got in and I did it and I loved it. I love my class. Um, everybody that I've interviewed so far has been from NCID and um, people that are from my class and they're just an amazing, incredible bunch. But yeah, so then I graduated from NCAD. Moving on to the next question then. <laughs> okay, Sorsha, you've just graduated from your BA in fashion design. What happens next? Where does Sorsha go? What does she experience? And how did that influence where she has ended up now? So after I graduated, I... I guess people were quite, some of my classmates were quite focused. The people that knew that they wanted to do fashion design all along. They did internships throughout um, their time at NCAD during the summers, whereas I went traveling. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to go traveling and my friends were going traveling, so I just went with them. I also wasn't that <laughs> pushed by going and working for free in fashion, so I kind of just was like, oh, whatever, it'll, you know, I'll make it work at the end. Um, so coming out of college, I actually didn't really have any experience. Um, I was, I we finished in June and I was going traveling on the 30th of July for two months. So I had a window of like six weeks to apply and secure an internship because that was my goal. And I literally spent every day sending emails, my portfolio off to um, designers in London. Um, I also, it was quite like a personally difficult time. So I felt like I had to, for me to work, I had to leave Ireland. Um, so London was my big focus and nobody really responded to me in about um, jobs or internships or anything. I did have one interview which I went to London for but didn't get it um, and in the meantime of course I was just still sending my portfolio off being like hi I'm here. I was literally willing to work for free at this point and um, I had got no re replies whatsoever so I went to Southeast Asia with my friends, forgot about everything for about six weeks and it was absolutely... Sorry, so I was just saying there that I was getting no responses. I went to Southeast Asia, forgot about it for six weeks, which is amazing, had the best time exploring um, the other side of the world with my friends. And then whenever I was in Vietnam, it was a week before I was due to fly home and for whatever reason, I can't remember, but I decided to log into my email just to see I was I guess feeling a bit anxious about going home and what was going to happen next because 
And Anna Skillen, I mean, you can't really do much in fashion design here. <laughs> um, so I logged in anyway, and that morning I actually had an email from the design director at Alexa Chung. Um, and he was inviting me for an interview the following week, which I was absolutely over the moon with. Um, but obviously it was a, a hugely quick turnaround because I was just home from Asia. And then a couple of days later, I went to London for the day by myself and went and met um, the design director and designer at Alexa Chung. And um, then I think it was four days after they, um, basically offered me the internship and it was paid, a paid internship, a paid internship um, in fashion is really not great. It's 15k which is below London living wage which is 22k so that works out after like national insurance and tax or whatever is £1,100 a month and if your rent, which in London averages out at about £700 a month, I mean, you do the math, it's not a lot of money at all. But I was just so over the moon um, to get a job and I didn't fully understand um, how much money it would take to, I guess, support a comfortable lifestyle myself anyway. And might I add, um, Sorsha's uh, job offering was so quick. I had gone to holiday for a week in Spain. And so Sorsha just come back home from her travels. And I was going to Spain for a week's holiday uh, with a few friends. This all happened when I was in Spain. So basically what happened was... But it was just so quick. <laughs> um, he offered me the internship. And I had told him, you know, during the interview, he was asking me when I was available to start working. And I said, look, I'm from Ireland. I haven't got anywhere to live in London. So if I was to be offered and accept the position, I would need, um, you know, at least a couple of weeks to get myself settled in London. So whenever he offered it to me, he was like, we'd like you to start next Monday, which was like five days away, um, considering that you need to find somewhere to live. So he thought that this was plenty of time and it really wasn't. And I literally, I booked my flight on the same day that I left and I just went. And um, thank you to Bridie. Oh yes, very thank you, very big thank you to Bridie, who is essentially my London mum and friend. <laughs> um, my mum's friend kindly put me up for like three months while I figured my life out <laughs> in London. So that was really helpful to go over to. And um, yeah, so then I did an internship at Alexa Chung for six months and that was really like I loved it it was such a crazy time because obviously this person who I'd watched on tv on t4 and um, you know growing up and had she had just released a mini series with Vogue about um I guess forging a career in fashion while I was in college so then to come into the office every day and for, to, for Alexa Chung to be standing in front of me was just the most surreal, crazy thing. And it gave me a bit of an insight to 
the weird and wonderful life of a celebrity. Like she was going to parties all the time, talking about these people um, who I knew. Nick Grimshaw would just yeah. walk into the office. We went to, well, Alexa Chung, the brand, through a party to um, launch one of her collections. And, you know, Peaches Geldof was there and Henry Holland. And it was just like the most surreal time looking back. Um, and I had so much fun. And it was a really good yeah, experience. Really yeah. And yeah, but the thing about fashion is that interns are incorporated into the team in a way that they are essential for the I guess functioning of the business but they fashion brands don't actually have that much money so they have no intention of keeping you on in any brand if you go in as an intern very rarely will they offer you a full-time job essentially what they do is they keep this rule as a low-paid rule which helps the functioning of their business which is really annoying because it's quite exploitative actually of um young people because then after i you know five months in i was very aware that i had to find something different and that it would be another internship paid the same awful money and yeah that was really difficult and stressful as well as adapting to a new city and the stresses that come with that and um, there was that pressure of needing to have secured a job which supports me financially barely but in such a short space of time as well so I got an internship then at Erdem um, which is a luxury brand, but it was a lot bigger than Alexa Chung. Alexa Chung's team at the time was like 20 people, including me. There was one other intern. And so it was a very, there was a community vibe. Everybody knew everyone. And um, I guess what I really actually, what I wanted to say was what I learned at Alexa Chung was more so about building a brand because Alexa Chung isn't a designer as you all know so she has a team of designers that essentially do the work for her but she is the creative director so she directs the designers creatively um, to bring her vision to life you know her vision which is her brand and everything was so on brand from the people that worked there were very Alexa Chung the people you know, the office was totally Alexa Chung vibes and the music even that we played in the office was all like really Alexa Chung vibes like the Rolling Stones, etc. So um, it was definitely an education, the whole thing. But I think what I enjoyed the most about being there was that um, getting to know how to build a brand and the different aspects there are to every fashion business. So then whenever I went to Erdem, it was less fun. There wasn't the same vibe. It was very serious, very corporate, mm -hmm. and people weren't as nice. The, there was quite a high turnover of staff. The interns were treated awfully. Um, I didn't feel like a valued person there at all. Sorry to say. Um, and yeah that was that was that so I was meant to stay for six months but I left after two and a half I did everything in my power to leave that job or that internship and again 
It was a really difficult time because I couldn't just leave. I had rent to pay. I had built, I had a lifestyle to upkeep, a very basic one at that. But if I wanted to stay in London, I couldn't just quit my job, no matter how much I liked it or I disliked it. And no matter how much it made me unhappy. So anyway, I found an internship at another independent brand and I was there for a year and a half and it got to the point where I was there over six months and I booked a meeting in with the director and I said look I'd love to stay and work here but I've been an intern now for um, 18 months in total and I can't survive off this money and I expect to be paid at least London living wage um, and that happened so I really got to a point where I needed to assert myself to move forward because I felt like these brands and companies were taking advantage of this intern position and they were just gonna keep me on as an intern and pay me 15k for as long as they could get away with and I just wasn't okay with that anymore because it really it did start to affect my life outside of work because you were working such long days, traveling to, well, commuting two hours a day to work. And um, you didn't have the means for an exciting life outside of work because of how little you were paid. And during this time, I would say that I definitely went out and partied a lot and got like would go out but wouldn't have money to go out so would buy alcohol before I went out and down it and then like black out the whole night which was really bad (laughs) and then so after this and I put on like loads of weight like it just manifested and festered into this thing where I became really unhealthy and I realized that I wasn't the reason that I love design and art like I wasn't practicing that at all and actually the industry was making me really unhappy and really unhealthy and I really struggled during this time I got so anxious I was really struggling with my sleep like I remember there were a couple of nights where I just didn't sleep at all from the moment that I went to bed to the moment I woke up did not one wink of sleep because I was so worried about I hated my where I was what I was doing I wasn't being paid enough money and I was so scared about the future and um, my future in London and my I guess if I left it and came home what was I going to do then so um, I became super anxious and I this as I was saying it totally affected yeah, all aspects quite. of my life yeah, I like remember yeah you were quite anxious then but... like you don't have to be living on the streets to be in I a know, bad I, way oh, do you I know, know what I, know I mean and, yeah I know I know yeah um it wasn't a sustainable way of living like I just wanted to be really honest in this and I, I began to question my purpose um, why I was just designing clothes like it just didn't make sense to me and there was that disconnect at that point because I hadn't realized why I'd loved art in the first place. I would say though a lot of graduates would actually um, you know that, that you know they come that they might hit a brick wall I mean unless you're in the luxury of a profession or a trade that you love and you want to develop yourself on and you had kind of like a pathway but I mean probably happened it's happened to me as well so it you know I think you're not you probably weren't on your own 
um, as regards kind of like hitting that brick wall with, you know, okay, is this my life? What do I want to do? But all of that anxiety and inner feelings. But I mean, what I can say, the way you managed it was very healthy. But I would say other younger adults might mightn't handle it as well but because it's such a big responsibility you know now when I hear you talk it's about kind of like okay what do I do with myself this isn't suiting me this isn't making me very happy that's quite mature to do at the young age of what 23 I guess it took I mean it takes moments of discomfort in life to reevaluate and move forward um, so I'm really grateful for that situation because otherwise I wouldn't be where I am now. And no matter what I had done, it would have... And I guess everybody, as you were saying, goes through this as well. Maybe what you wanted to do wasn't what you expected mm-hmm. it to be. And you need to figure out, you know, t- use it as an opportunity to figure out where you're going to go next and what you're going to do next and actually get to know yourself a bit more and what you want to do in life after this moment because it's not forever and I think whenever we're in school actually we're very much encouraged that you know what are you going to do or I'm going to become you know I don't know a nurse, an astronaut, like there's an end goal, but that is yeah. so wrong. It shouldn't be an end goal. It's you go to college or university, you graduate, then you try something else, then you figure out maybe maybe you love it and you stay in it for the rest of your life. But if you don't, it's totally fine to go off on a tangent yeah. and try something new. And I think that's why maybe I got very overwhelmed because I was thinking, oh God, this is kind of, this was it for me. And I just wanted to... I thought that I wanted to continue as a designer and work my way up. Like that's what I thought I always wanted, but it, in reality, it was it wasn't. Um, so yeah, I guess. So as I was saying, I couldn't leave my job because I hated it. Well, because I had a life to support outside of. I had rent to pay. I had um, I had to feed myself. All of that annoying stuff and unless I wanted to move home I couldn't you know I had to sit in this discomfort and move and go with it and um, while I was trying to find another job then I guess I really worked on myself outside of work so I during this time started um, what did I do first of all I guess the biggest change that I made I made I mean I made a very a lot of dramatic changes to my lifestyle but I first of all started to look at the food I was eating so I started to cook my own meals like proper I was always very into cooking but it became at this time another form of um, that flow state and meditation I really fell in love with it it was also a cheap activity for me to enjoy (laughs) at the time whenever I couldn't go out and I knew that I needed to avoid uh, like going out and getting drunk for a while so I literally took a whole summer off alcohol where I didn't really drink um, because I felt like it really um, encouraged my anxiety to fester even more and um Yeah, at the same time then I started to exercise a couple of months later, like regularly, which I never had really done since school. And that really, I essentially just focused on things that brought me joy. And it was a couple of months after that then. I mean, I went vegan in the meantime as well. And I also started 
to go to a yoga class once a week, which was really like transformative. And that sounds so cliche because so many, like every yoga teacher I talk to is like, yoga transformed my life. But it actually, it reconnected me with myself and my body. And um, again, it's like you get, I mean, yoga is a flow essentially, but you revisit that flow state that I had whenever I was doing art or whenever I was exercising or cooking it was all the same thing and I think it was then that I realized that I wanted to do something positive um, because that made me feel good and I remember calling you one day and being like I just want to help people and you were like well does that mean you want to be a nurse or a teacher (laughs) and I was like no absolutely not that is not what I want to do but I don't know what I want to do, but I know how much taking care of myself has helped me. So I want to do something similar for other people. And um, that's whenever I guess I became interested in like sustainability. And I felt that I was treated badly in the fashion industry. So I couldn't imagine how people in the global south were being treated, the people that were making our clothes. And um, I wanted to help those people. That was my goal. So I set myself a deadline. This was almost two years ago. And this was in the April. And I said, by August, like I'm so unhappy. I'm sitting in front of my computer at work. I've got tears in my eyes. I can't do this any longer. So I'm gonna, um, by August, I'm gonna just leave my job no matter what. And I'm gonna work in a restaurant. Right. Yeah, we did speak about that. Yeah. About casual work in that. Or I'll get, I'll become a, like look for a job as a receptionist in a yoga studio. I'll, I'll do anything that gets me out of this situation, which is making me really affecting my life. And so it was actually one day, the months were passing, August was getting closer and closer. And I was Googling, I would get up early in the morning to apply to jobs. And I was literally Googling yoga receptionist vacancies in London. And then this job came up, I was on Indeed and it was like, um, hot pod yoga or whatever it's called it's a yoga brand yoga studio in London and they were looking for an account manager and I was like oh an accountant like I didn't know what an account manager was and I clicked into it and anyway it's basically somebody that manages clients and projects and I it was for a senior role so I was really unqualified but it brought me onto a website called escapethecity.com which is really good for jobs and like startups and social enterprises and whatnot and I was scrolling through it anyway and there was a role as a junior account manager for a company called Rewrap and anyway I was like oh cool this is to do with textiles I clicked into it and I just fell in love with the company that is Rewrap so I still work for them now I'm an account manager at Rewrap and basically Rewrap is a social enterprise based in the UK and India it's textile based and sales and marketing are in the UK and our production units are in India but it was essentially help women who had been widowed or who had come from abusive relationships basically women who didn't have the education to become financially independent were um, taken in by Rewrap and they were 
taught traditional sewing skills and given a job, I guess. And then we in the UK go out and sell this product to the Western market in the UK and the US and Europe. And we also partner with local farmers in the south of India to convert from conventional cotton farming, which is really bad for the health of the community and the health of the environment, um, to organic, 100% organic cotton. Um, So, yeah, that's really incredible work that they're doing there. So our supply chain is completely transparent from seed to shop. And this was just like, it just sounded so refreshing in comparison to what I had worked in before to work for a company that actually cared about people. I was like shocked (laughs) after working in the fashion industry. And, um, it was directly impacting people from marginalized communities in the global south. And that was something I definitely wanted to learn more about. So I made actually what was quite a difficult decision at the time to leave my, what I considered my dream job to be as a designer in fashion and accept this role as soon as I was offered it um, and haven't looked back since really. I have no desire to go back into the fashion industry and I just really, I've learned so much working at Rewrap and you may be familiar with the Lush no animal testing bags and that is a style that rewraps applies to lush and has done for the last like 15 years um so yeah that has been i guess that leads us on to the next question next, next question okay what has been the most valuable lesson you've learned since leaving the fashion industry well i think so i think what i've learned A little short interjection here from Sorsha, just re-listening back to how I answered this question and I wish that I included so much more because I really have learned so much from leaving my role in design and trying something new. Um, I never before, I guess, understood the importance of nurturing relationships with clients and as I was saying, you know, without your client or your customer, you don't have a have a business a viable business model at all and I work directly with the clients now to develop product and nurture that relationship so that they trust me to deliver value and that they're investing in our company I also work with the head of business development to establish and develop and deliver the new business strategy with um, for outreach each year which is a really fun part of the job because you get to be a bit creative in how you approach people and another massive massive part of working at Rewrap has been just having that exposure to working within a transparent supply chain I mean it's been incredible. I haven't been out to India to actually see our supply chain yet. Um, hopefully COVID goes away soon. And so I work every single day with our team in India via lots of video calls, etc. 
um, obviously working with them to develop new product, but also we just need to work together as a team because we, without one, there isn't the other. And we kind of function under one umbrella to get the job done. Um, so working across cross-cultural borders has been really insightful um, because there are cultural differences these have to be mitigated to ensure the successful delivery of product for the client Um, and that's something which I had exposure to a little bit in my last job but at Rewrap it's definitely been, been a much more intense experience yeah and I guess it's just such a small team to work with so it's just been really fun to have that exposure to all elements of the business and as I was saying it's a social enterprise UK certified and world fair trade organization certified um company so it's been super cool after coming from a background in companies who were trying to claim themselves as sustainability as a bit of a market marketing strategy on their end to actually working with a company who is built on that very ethos right from the get-go and have all these incredible certifications behind them. Um, it's been a massive learning curve and I can only thank the universe that this opportunity came when it did. I thoroughly believe that me sticking out my time in London despite how desperately unhappy I was at my last job and how uncomfortable it was during that time no sleep super anxious um not being able to go out and about like everybody else worrying about money all the time honestly lean into your discomfort and you will reap the rewards later and I definitely am so grateful that instead of running away that I sat through it and I worked my way through it and couldn't be happier now so I'm just gonna get back into myself and mum's convo is outside of fashion the sales element so in fashion you are just I mean in design you're just involved in the development and design of a product but you're not really exposed to any other aspects of the business Um, I mean you see the other teams and you work with the other teams but at Rewrap like I've learned so much about sales about um I guess what a social enterprise is what it is to run a social enterprise how to manage teams yeah I mean I mean what what I've noticed I mean because we're both locked down we're both working from home you're in your little office I'm in my little office but you know when I see you doing it you're in front of a laptop and you seem to be doing a lot of number crunching and it's Mm. kind of like where's I assumed that you would have been doing some more sketching and creativity and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like there's a lot of. Yeah. I work directly with the client from the start of the project to the end of the project. So there's a lot of like generating costs and for different um, styles and um, working on product development and then you know managing it through production and I'm essentially the middleman between the client and India so I have to ensure that you know the value is delivered to the client um, at the end and 
Yeah, it's been great. I would advise anybody who, really anybody that's interested in working in fashion should try something outside of design to understand what how a business operates and without a, without customers you don't have a business and that has been the most invaluable thing that I've learned about rewrap actually has been working directly with the client and um yeah it's experience that really is invaluable yeah I mean I think it's incredible I mean you're only 25 and I mean, okay, I know that you've kind of been disillusioned at times and, you know, it hasn't, you feel like, you know, you've been disappointed with the industry you chose to enter, I suppose. But I always see it as a positive. You see every kind of like work experience, being it not a nice experience, but I always think it gives you that life experience, which is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've got four years of that. You've went to, you've gone to London on your own, you wanted to carve a life for yourself there. You've done that. You've gone, sold yourself, got yourself to interviews across London, so had to sell yourself. And, you know, one rolls out of it. Okay, some roles you weren't happy in, you moved on. And I mean, that is epitomizes life experience to me as a 50 something year old looking at you my 25 year old you probably don't see it but that experience will actually stay with you for the rest of your working career i'm really grateful for it because now i definitely have a much clearer vision of where i want to be in five years time and it's not as being an account manager, but I can appreciate all of the amazing transferable skills that I've learned being an account manager and working at Rewrap. And yeah, it's been really great. So we're ready for the next question. We are. What does sustainable fashion mean to you, Sorsha? So sustainable fashion. So I guess because I have a background in fashion, um, it's always gonna be there in my life. I just am not going to work in the industry I guess Um, but I am quite passionate about sustainability and social justice within the fashion sector Um, so sustainability to me in fashion personally isn't about boycotting um, Topshop or River Island or Whistles or wherever you shop completely. I'm not one of those people that, you know, in January decided to that I'm only going to shop secondhand for the rest of my life because um, for me that's not realistic. But what I do do is I buy what I need and I don't overconsume and I buy secondhand. Sometimes I love going vintage shopping and I love wearing my mum's clothes. Yeah, she does. And <laughs> and I love wearing good quality clothes that are going to last a long time and clothes which keeping clothes for as long as you can which um, really honours the person on the other side of the world who made them opposed to treating it as disposable. Um, so that's what sustainability in fashion is to me. I mean, I would love um, to purchase um, garments from 
you know, proper, amazing, sustainable brands, but it's quite expensive. And at this point in my life, I'm just not there yet. But I think what I wanted um, for maybe the listeners to understand is that to be sustainable in fashion isn't to boycott um, the high street completely. It's just to be more conscious about what you're consuming and um, just to do your bit, I guess. Okay, very good. Now, moving on to the Local Honey Project. So, what is it and what do you hope people take from it? So, the Local Honey Project um, is a space, I guess, on the interweb, which I have created as a creative person. And my ethos is for it to inspire well-being for the self, environment and community, which from all of that rambling and all of my time in London and in school, I've kind of come full circle to that little girl that loved playing outside and um, drawing. (laughs) Um, That is what I want um, the Local Honey Project to be, to inspire people to reconnect with themselves and their surroundings to slow down to get the get to know themselves more and i guess i do that by interviewing people who i find really inspirational and who are doing really cool things or people that have amazing ideas or um yeah and it's in the form of a podcast and an instagram page so if you enjoy please do give us a follow you want to interview your mother at some stage too then don't you (laughs) (laughs) anyway joke uh penultimate question the Local Honey Project was founded upon a hostilic approach to the well-being, as you said, for yourself, communities and environment. What is your non-negotiable daily ritual, which you must do every day to make you feel good about life and grounded for the day ahead? Um, so this is a question that I ask everyone. And I guess it's because I've realised how um, daily rituals, how important daily rituals and routine are for me. So um, I guess my answer to this is actually getting up early in the morning and having a routine and having a ritual that you do subconsciously every morning and I guess it brings me back to that time whenever I was in London I was going out drinking loads and sleeping in and it didn't make me feel good at all Um, so now I make an effort to um, implement these structures to my day which bring me joy and one of them is getting up early in the morning and enjoying this time to myself by myself before I work I go to work mentally prepare yeah and I suppose it's now in lockdown it's quite you know because I'm getting to know sources routine you're getting to know mine which we really as two adults because you left here as a what 18 year old basically mm. and you're back here as an adult working adult now uh, sharing your home with me you're not just a visitor you're not just home for a week and away again you're here for a few months and you've been here last year here for a few months too mm-hmm. and it was kind of getting to know each other again and learning about your rituals and you learning about my rituals and hopefully they do kind of marry a bit I think they do I think we kind of like you know we kind of give each other that space that we need and you've got 
got your little office and I've got mine in here and this is my my gym and my yoga studio and you've got your little bits going on so anyway I, I, I kind of digress there <laughs> final question what feeds your soul you've probably answered it a, a little bit in your story but what feeds your soul um, and this again is another question that I ask everybody and what feeds my soul is really knowing myself and getting to know myself and spending that time by myself which can be uncomfortable at times I think if anybody as humans if we try and spend time with ourselves thoughts come up that might make us feel uncomfortable but I think it's now more important than ever to sit with that and and sit through the discomfort and um, you'll really learn a lot about yourself and brings me a lot of peace and that is the end of the interview Sorsha that is the end thanks very much for joining me mummy oh it's a pleasure to be here as the creator of this little creator here so uh, thank you for listening and thank you for all for following Sorsha on our local honey journey um it's a massive part of her life and she really does live and breathe it and she has i mean i suppose like i mean as a mom i hope that source has been inspired by me in some ways but i certainly have been inspired by Aww. her Sorsha as well in her life and in her outlook and yeah i've learned a lesson or two from her myself so thank you for that oh, thanks mommy <laughs> all right Bye. And that is me. That is my professional journey so far. I hope that it might have been a little bit helpful or little elements of that might have resonated with some of you. You know, careers aren't always linear. And I think it's important to sit with that and use you know, little bumps or obstacles and discomfort to figure out where you want to go next. Life isn't perfect. Forgive yourself, be kind to yourself and most of all, be patient with yourself because it might maybe not be the straightforward pathway that you had envisioned it to be, but you will end up where you're meant to be eventually and yeah you're gonna learn so much about yourself it's really fun any questions please do get in touch and my email is linked on instagram or feel free to dm me if you've got any questions at all the basis of my story so far is basically why i've started the local honey project and i would love to help those who might be in a similar position to I was a couple of years ago and I know that I would have really appreciated a bit of advice then and I listened to many a self-development podcast at that time which really helped me get through but yeah let me know any questions and please do stay tuned because I've got more exciting people coming onto the podcast and I would love to hear your feedback have a great day